0: What a night last night. We, uh, we were kind of anticipating, if you're a Packers fan, I think you might have had a, uh, a curiosity to look over the fence and see what Aaron Rodgers was going to do in New York. Uh, maybe you had a curiosity to see on 9-11 uh, how that stadium and such comes together in that city. Uh, maybe as just a Packers fan, you wanted to see Rodgers play. At least 65% of the snaps for the Jets. So, selfishly, you know, we get the first round, uh, the Jets' first round pick this upcoming uh, draft. So, all of that might have drawn you last night to the game that was. Only to see 75 seconds into the game, Aaron Rodgers' season and possibly career come to an end. It was confirmed earlier today that he did suffer an Achilles tear. And uh, his season is done. Uh, The uh, Jets putting that out a little while ago. It is now official. Aaron Rodgers is done for the season. But the question then becomes, with uh, the rehab that goes along with the torn Achilles, which is not, by any stretch, uh, an easy injury to come back from, uh, and many that tweeted out last night, today, once it was officially announced, that have had it, it's, it is a long and arduous rehab. I mean, it's basically learning how to walk all over again. And whether or not Aaron Rodgers, at the age of now forty, going into December, um, I, we'll see. He still has three years remaining this year, next year, and the year after on that contract. We'll see. We'll see. So, but Rodgers coming out of that tunnel last night, the American flag raised, the the crowd going crazy, the electricity in MetLife Stadium, only to see, uh, you know, moments later, everything fall to a hush and a silence, to then be. Flipped the switch back on again when Garrett Wilson began to make incredible catches and then ultimately to see a punt return for a touchdown for the Jets to get the win. They win the battle, but ultimately they lose the war as their their leader is no longer there. So, uh, that being said, uh, you've got the Green Bay Packers off today, back out of tomorrow getting ready for the Atlanta Falcons after getting a win in uh, in Chicago over the weekend. The Brewers, <laughs> man, if I'm Corbin Burns. I'm walking up and down that dugout, going, "What the hell do I got to do to get this?" Woodruff last night gets a boatload—twelve, twelve runs of support last night, <laughs> and and uh, Corbin Burns is probably going, "Man, I, I, I'd kill for this. Just get, just one. Just give me something. Just give me a couple. You know, something, anything." And uh, and the Brewers get a win. They remain three games up with the Cubs. The Cubs won last night as well, so that still remains a close race, but. Uh, with each passing day, it becomes a, a a better and better circumstance for the Milwaukee Brewers to get themselves into the postseason. Uh, I do want to remind you, tomorrow night, tomorrow night is it. It is our kickoff for the huddle. Now, we're going to be in studio tomorrow night for the huddle, but we are going to be traveling. Uh, we have got places already lined up. Uh, we're just kind of putting some dates uh, together, but we are going to be in Viroqua. Uh, we're going to be, I think, heading to the Norwegian Hollow. Uh, we're looking forward to going to Marshfield this year to Nuts Deep 2. We're going to get back there. Uh, we've got more than a few lined up in Lacrosse to go to. Uh, so we've, we've got a few of our affiliates that have kind of stepped up. We're looking for about three more. So if you're, say, in Green Bay, if you're in Tomahawk, if you are in Platteville, if you're in uh, Madison, you know, and uh, you're looking for us to come out, maybe do a huddle in your neck of the woods in Milwaukee, obviously. We'll probably have one or two around here as well. Uh, to say the very least, but uh, we're we're looking to get out and enjoy it, and you know, stay overnight in some of these towns and cities and enjoy some uh, what they have to offer. But really looking forward to it, and and getting out and moving around this year, and we're not confined to just the Milwaukee area, which is really really uh, awesome. So uh, if you've got a uh, uh, any of your affiliates in your area, and you say, hey, we've got a place we want you to come, if we can if we can work it out and get it into the schedule, we'd be happy to do it. Be happy to do it. So uh, I'm looking looking forward to kind of a, expanding the broadcast a little bit, if you will. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, Grant Bill's producing. You can get a hold of me at Bill underscore Michaels on Twitter, on X at Bill underscore Michaels, or Grant Bill's over at Wisco. Grant, find us on Instagram, The Bill Michaels Show. The Bill Michaels Show. Continue to follow us on Instagram, on the Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. Uh, always subscribe or just like us uh, and appreciate it over on uh, youtube uh, on YouTube you, you can subscribe uh, it doesn't cost you anything but when we go on the air it pops up and lets you know hey uh, the Bill Michael show is going on the air so we're there so there you have it uh Daniel says come to october feast um if its at the end of the month in lacrosse I would love to the problem is that we got kind of double booked and this is Oktoberfest this year we're not going to be able to make it to. But that's the reason we'd love to come back to the Lacrosse area and do a few shows there for Huddles because we we would just we love that area. Uh I'd love to
1: get there so you know we'll uh, we'll be happy to head back. If you're not going to be there, can I borrow your leader cuz mine broke last year? If you're not going to be using yours, do Yeah, you, do if you, you
0: want to. I mean, it's still talked up with gold bonds, so you're good to go. You can do that. <laughs> so you know what I do have to get out there for though. And I got to get uh I got to get uh, my hands on is, you know, those big commemorative Steins. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I collect those things. I love those things.
1: Have you ever done a Stein holding contest? Uh, the, what what do they call the games? The Gimmucolite games? I don't know how to pronounce it. Every bar does their own thing. Like some bars do hammer schlogging out in the parking lot. But if you've never done a Stein holding contest, you just fill up a massive mug of beer and you just hold your arm out straight, and whoever can hold it there the longest wins. It's the stupidest game game in the world.
0: Never done that. But I have done the how many beers can you carry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have done that, and I think it was eight in one hand that I did because you you grab five by the handles, and then you put uh, uh, three on top of those, and you carry it steady, and I did that once. That was years ago. That was years ago, but yeah, yep, absolutely, done that. Uh, I did the barrel roll. Uh, in Cincinnati at a radio station I worked, uh, their their Oktoberfest is enormous, and they do those games on Fountain Square right in the middle of downtown. They shut off like 20 blocks of downtown, and uh, they, they do these games down the middle of the streets, and I did a barrel roll once. Uh, It was a bunch of radio stations against each other and and media members against each other. So I did that once, too. But, yeah, just uh, those those days are now I'm a spectator. I enjoy spect. I I don't mind rolling a barrel every now and then. I would do that. But, yeah. And these were the old wooden cask barrels. These weren't actual beer barrels in today's modern age. These were the tapping of the keg, the wooden, the wooden barrel beers, so to speak, going back in the, the old days. So, uh, which, by the way, speaking of that, when I was there with you for the tapping of the golden can,
1: where were we? We were at Sloopy's Alma Mater on the Sloopies.
0: north side. Sloopy's. Yes, we were at Sloopy's. So I opened, uh, I was going through some closets uh, or cupboard yesterday in my kitchen. And uh, I opened the, the cabinet and there it was. I forgot that I had put in the, the tapping of the golden can uh, can in the closet or in the cupboard. So I found that uh, it was yesterday, as a matter of fact. Ebo and,
1: and the morning show guys are going to be there. And I think I'm going to join them because why the heck not? I don't have to be on air so I can just drink and hang out and have a good time and they can handle their business. From six oh, they're
0: to going 10. to Sloopies?
1: They are. They're going to be there. They're going to do their morning show live from 6 to 10 in one of the more rowdy bar. I mean, it got full in there, Bill.
0: Who was the guy that plays the
1: music? Uh, Doc Rock. Been doing it forever. Just shows He's up with his, his guitar. It, yeah. And, Plays the part. He's cartoons. been doing
0: it since like like Moses dropped him off. Yeah. You know? When when the ship hit ground, finally after the rain subsided, he got off with a guitar and started playing in the corner of
1: that bar. He's been there for for forever. The tapping of the golden can, for those who don't know, it started in the 80s and it used to be Kearns, the morning show host on KTY, Mike Kearns and a couple listeners would just get together and they would spray paint cans of beer and they drink them, right. have their own little celebration, and then, then year by year. It grew until it started happening at a bar, and it it's been going on. And Doc Rock, that, that group, they've been doing that since the late '80s when it was just right. five or six of them sitting outside in lawn chairs.
0: Yeah, and well, I'll I'll say this: um, for all the buildup that the Lacrosse Oktoberfest had, um, the the largest Oktoberfest in the the second largest in the world, the largest in the United States is in Cincinnati, it, and you'd have to go and see it to understand it. It's just enormous, and everybody kept telling me how great the Lacrosse one was. And uh, I got to admit, when I got there, it, it the, the way the town shows out for that, and people come from all over the state of Wisconsin to be a part of it. But last year, it was crazy, because last year, you had the rivalry game the same weekend with uh, UW-Whitewater and UW-La Crosse. Mm-hmm. And so, everybody was there for the game. Everybody was there for Oktoberfest. The town was electric. And I remember walking the streets, and we went to, what was it, Dublin Square? We were at Dublin Square and had a few. The Hofbrau had a mm-hmm. few. Walked over to Buzzard Billy's. Ended up um, doing shots with students over at the library. <laughs> um, which there's a bar called the library. Yeah. Uh, we ran into a couple of guys that were listeners, and uh, they had their girlfriends with them. And Kristen and I are walking down the street, and we stopped into the library, and we were there for, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes. And the guy came over and said, you know, are you Bill Michaels? I said, Yeah. Oh, my God. And then next thing you know, it's one of those, you know, oh, come on. And there's people coming in. And so we got to do shots. And we started doing shots. And and that didn't, uh, you know, go real well <laughs> by the time the end of the night came because we were sitting uh, trying to get sobered up uh, eating dinner at the Freightliner and then went up to the uh, roof of the Charmont, and uh, then back over to a Starlight Lounge. And we had some cocktails later that yeah. night. So, yeah, it was it was. We were walking the streets, man. I think we tried to get into Animal House, and we couldn't get in. It was, like, packed. It was just jammed. We were going to go there, but it was jammed.
1: So, Oct- Octoberfest yeah, we- and lacrosse is is really cool. You got to understand if you go, though, that you can't really drive your car anywhere and that every no. bar is shoulder to shoulder. So if, if yeah. you want a more laid-back, relaxed lacrosse experience, I love lacrosse any weekend of the year. If you want a laid-back Time in, in La Crosse where you can go around and see all the places. Oktoberfest might not be the best weekend, but Oktoberfest is, is awesome. You just got to go so in fun. knowing what yeah. you're getting yourself into.
0: It's so fun. And I ended up, uh, the next day, I ended up sitting down with some of the guys at the Briar Patch and smoking cigars. So I went over to Briar Patch and bought a cigar, and they said, no, you can sit down and smoke over here. You got It's kind of BYOB. But So I sat down with a couple of guys and had a cigar, and we, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. I ended up staying in La Crescent. Uh, across the river, ended up staying in La Crescent because everything in downtown La Crosse was sold out. But it was—that's a blast. That's an absolute blast. Uh, so anyway, we are probably going to, at some point or another, like the monkeys, we're coming to a town near you. So uh, you know, hopefully, uh, we get a chance to see you all throughout the huddle and all throughout the NFL season. So we're going to have a—we're going to have a good one. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Want to hit us up? Feel free to go ahead and do so uh reactions from the weekend um there there's a lot of things to discuss when it comes to life in the NFL and I think that uh, there's so much to to kind of unpack and if you want to talk about you know the good the bad and the ugly if you want to go in that direction if you want to talk about the surprises some of the things that were positive some of the things that were negative coming out of the weekend uh I thought that uh, the Lions showed a lot of resilience on Thursday night and uh, getting the win, uh, clearly Kansas City was missing Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Chris Jones yesterday signing a one-year contract to come back and play for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Ravens off to a slow start after they put all the money into Lamar Jackson, but ultimately getting the win. Cincinnati paying Joe Burrow. By the way, there was almost, what was it, $500 million on the field. On the field in Cleveland. $500 million. $500 million. When you talk about the contract of Deshaun Watson and then Joe Burrow, who just signed. Joe Burrow missing all the preseason with a calf injury, coming out and looking awful, awful in game one. And uh, not that Deshaun Watson looked much better. It's just that the Browns were that by far better than Cincinnati was. And Cincinnati's defense looks suspect, and their offensive line is still a mess. Still a mess. Jacksonville going into uh, to uh, Baltimore. Or not the Baltimore. Indian, I still say Baltimore Colts. In Indianapolis getting a win. The Vikings getting beat at home. Washington getting a win over the Arizona Cardinals, which tells you how bad the Cardinals are. San Francisco just beating the hell out of Pittsburgh on the road. Uh, and then, obviously, the Packers and what they did against the Bears. And the shootout that was out at uh, SoFi between the Chargers and the Dolphins was fun to watch. And the Raiders. And, boy, that game mile high Sean Payton's debut and he comes out with an onside kick that's the way he starts it off I'm like you kidding me uh but that's what he did the Cowboys absolute beat down to the Giants and then uh the, the Patriots hanging tough with the Eagles until ultimately the end of the game they just couldn't hang on and the Jets last night kind of winning the battle but losing the war Aaron Rodgers going down what a week it was in the NFL I mean just So much to it, and uh, so much. uh, We're going to hear a collection of sound from the weekend, from a crazy week one in the National Football League when we return. Stay tuned. Don't forget, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press Gazette. We're going to talk with him uh, about this Packers team. Uh, A little bit about uh, the sentiment from last night, watching Aaron Rodgers go down with the injury. We'll get into all of that, and then uh, also we'll Uh, Talk about this Packers team moving forward and uh, the good, the bad for Jordan Love and what he did in that contest. Well, it was good. Uh, The majority was good. There was some some not so good that uh, needs to be uh, kind of eradicated. But overall, not a bad performance. This portion of the program being brought to you by our buddy Scott Ellis and Team Ellis, as a matter of fact, home side financial. And if you are uh, looking to get a mortgage or maybe pre-qualified or a refi, He got to ask him about the 2-1 buy-down, by the way, even though the interest rates are high right now. uh, And I was asking him about it. I said, is the market slow? He said, oh, yeah, it's slow, no doubt. But this shouldn't scare people from buying because in a couple of years, it's all going to start to drop yet again. And then uh, with the 2-1 buy-down, he can get you down around 4.5% to to 5% and get you a couple of points under prime at this point. So uh, who knows? He might be able to help you out. Call him, 414-791-7771. Right here in Wisconsin, 414 791 7771. 414 791 7771. That's my buddy Scott Ellis of Team, uh, Team Ellis and Homeside Financial. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next.
2: Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio
1: Network.
3: What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping?
2: I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, made sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do.
3: Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $699 $699 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers end at 930, 2023.
0: Good to have you. Beautiful day today. Nice, cool, crisp. I like warmth. I like heat. I like to sweat. Love that. But I'll take today. Sun's out. Although the forecast uh, over the next couple of weeks is we are going to be warmer than normal temperatures. So I'm looking forward to that. have a beautiful day today outside. And uh, broadcasting here in the studios today. Uh, our Point Brewing studio, if you will. And uh, thanks to them for being a part of the program. So uh, let's see here. We've got uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, emails and, and if you wanna give us a call, you can. 877-867-1670, eight seven seven eight 1670. But a wild weekend throughout the NFL. We'll get to the phone calls, the emails, and all that kind of stuff coming up here momentarily. So, Grant, what do you have on tap?
1: Well, I just noticed that a lot of people were saying a lot of wild things, announcers and coaches. So I made a little uh collection of a couple of the best sound bites that I thought happened during week one. We could start on Thursday night when Mike Tarico put the, the finishing touch on the broadcast of the Lions beating Kansas City. Huge win for the Lions and their fan base. And he uh, wrapped up the broadcast by saying this.
2: And we saw the Chiefs go into Foxborough in 2016 and win on opening night. And that announced to everyone that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be a factor. This has an asterisk because I no Chris Jones and no Travis Kelsey. But after what you saw at the end of last year and what you saw
1: tonight... Torico wrapped that up by saying, "This team is for real." But Bill, if I was a Lions fan, I'd be like, "Shut the hell up with your asterisk!" This is the biggest win we've had in decades. Come on, stop. Yes, I agree, but
0: nevertheless, uh, you can. And, and the asterisk asterisk would be why because Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones weren't there.
1: It's it's a it's a physical game. Guys miss it, games it, all the yeah, time. Who cares?
0: You know, I mean. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, the night the Kansas City Chiefs made their announcement that they were suddenly official, that I'm sure there were some injuries that uh, had precluded that season. So I'm not worried about it. So Mike Tirico, just say, hey, the Lions got a big win on the road in a very hostile environment against the defending champions. Welcome to the real world.
1: I would and also uh, to like to say there's an asterisk on Sunday's Brewers game because if only the Brewers had scored runs, they would have won, and that's the asterisk that I'm going to choose to put on it. Yeah, uh, They yes. would have won if, if, if not for not scoring any runs. Noon Slate on Sunday, Ross Tucker on CBS, who's going to be on the show later this week, said this about Taysom Hill. This rules. I, I don't think there's a problem with this at all. I find this awesome.
2: I'm not kidding when I think, and when I tell you, I think he's one of the best football players ever in Taysom Hill. Wow. Now, I know he's not a Hall of Famer or any of that, this guy can play quarterback, running back, tight end. He makes tackles on special teams. This guy is like Jim Thorpe. I mean, <laughs> can you
1: name any other guy that's ever done all the things that Taysom Hill did? He's like the perfect football player. He's not a Hall of Famer, Bill. Taysom Hill. He's the greatest the perfect football player. Football player. That's I, You know what? You You can't argue with that. No, you can't. You know,
0: because, I mean, he can play quarterback. It's not great. He's kind of like the jack-of-all-trades, master of none. But he does everything just to keep shoulder pads and a helmet on and a, and a paycheck coming in. Give him credit. I, I, I love that comment. That's re, the that's re. And Russ, Ross Tucker, by the way, in case you didn't know, do you know also on his podcast he rates press box food? Really? he does a, a, He's like a, a, a connoisseur of press box food and talks about each press box and the food that they serve, and whether it's good, bad, when indifferent. So he does all of this, and he's followed by a lot of people in the NFL mm-hmm. for that reason. Like, like you know, um, you know, people that actually work, stadium personnel that work in stadiums because they know he's coming. So they actually now try to up their game somewhat so they don't get a bad review when Ross Tucker's in the building. I, 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 and I applaud him. For the, for the craptastic stuff that we had down in that god-awful sinkhole that is Chicago, I applaud him. I wish Ross Tucker would have been doing the game on Sunday because it would have been a much, much better circumstance.
1: Ross so Tucker is the Jim Thorpe of holding press box cafeteria workers yes, accountable. All right, I, I like that. Another quote, a and a from the noon game. Uh, Arthur Smith, the Falcons coach, was asked about his star receiver, Drake London. Drake London was a top-ten pick. He didn't have a reception in this game. Uh, just listen to this exchange. Give me your thoughts on this, Bill. If I were to tell you that Desmond had more receptions than Drake and you'd win, would you have believed me, A, and B, well, yeah, would exactly you think? Here.
4: I'm going to, not to be rude, I'm going to cut you off. Fan- let the fantasy guys, worry about that. That's a point. You know, we got to clean some things up. Yeah. We can all be better at our spacing. And, and the, the targets is the most misunderstood thing in the National Football League. There's progressions, there's spacing. If somebody's underneath, is not right. That's the stuff where I'm a little irritated as a coach that we had to fix at halftime, and that's on me. It's on everybody, and we don't care. Drake London doesn't care. All we care about is one and no. and we got a lot of work. But it's got to improve because that's not going to sustain
1: every week. And every week's its own uh, entity, but we don't care about the stats. We care about one winning. So I get it. Not every coach is supposed to care about fantasy football. But, Bill, Kyle Pitts was the fourth overall pick. Drake London was the eighth overall pick. And this coach Mm -hmm. seems to get off by not giving him the ball. And I think it's funny. And there's no way that Drake London doesn't care. There's no way that this star wide receiver doesn't care. Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, One is every player that's on the field cares, without a doubt. Every player wants the ball. Everybody wants to be highlighted. Everybody wants to make that big play. So that that, that goes without saying. Yes, you want to win. You got to win. You learn from it. But it seemed like he was more upset because of the recognition that their star wide receiver, their draft choice, did not get the football, did not get the targets. And the reason why is the backhanded way in which he addressed it was their spacing, there's route trees, you go through that. In other words, Drake London doesn't know what the hell he's doing on the field. We didn't throw the ball to him because that guy has no idea where the hell he's supposed to be and how he's supposed to run around. And that, to me, is coach speak when he talks about that, when you talk about spacing and when you talk about well, – that's why when you look at what the, like the, the route that Romeo Dobbs ran to get open into the end zone for that first touchdown for the Packers, he, he ran that safety off and then cut underneath him. It was, a, it was an absolutely perfect route run. And that's the reason he was open. That's the reason he got the ball and the look away, bringing the linebacker off to the right, then opening up the middle seam by Jordan Love. It, it was a perfect play. And that's the reason he got the ball. When you talk about a guy like Drake London, he may just be out there running routes, running all over the place, not really technically know what the hell he's doing. And maybe that's the coach saying, hey, we got an idiot inside our locker room, even though he's got all the talent in the world. So we don't give a damn about targets because this guy just simply can't run the right route. And that,
1: that, that to me is what it said. I get the frustration of a coach. You don't use this guy. You don't use this guy. He's not a fantasy football coach. Okay, He wins games. He's right. done a good job with that in Atlanta with, I don't think, the most talented team and the best quarterback. But also, you're spending top 10 picks on, on skill position players, and you're not using them. So, people are going to ask about that. Last quote. This is from last night. I could not believe when I heard this. The Jets walk it off on a, on a punt return touchdown, right? Madness in New York. Joe and Troy on the call. And then for some reason, they invite John Perry, the rules analyst in, and he says this after the most exciting, maybe play of the weekend, a walk-off touchdown on a punt return. John Perry says this. John Perry.
2: Yeah, it is big, but you got to put an asterisk on it because there's a tripping call that was not made a trip, a leg whip right near the 23 yard line, number 55, which would have brought the touchdown
1: back. I left the four or five seconds of silence on the end because Joe and Troy had to be like, what the hell? Shut up, John.
0: (laughs) it was um, when you say, uh, you know, first and foremost, when you're talking about, uh, you know, the number 55, that was what uh, Chaz, uh, I think Surratt was the guy that they were talking about. Uh, Okay, and I looked at it over and over again. If you look at it in millisecond slow motion, he does kick the leg out as he's going down. But because he was already going down, it looks as if he's just flying through the air. So as he's flying through the air, he kind of kicks the leg out. And you don't know if he's kicking the leg out because he's reaching to fall or if he, because he's trying to trip. You would assume it's because he's trying to trip the defender who's trying to get downfield to make the tackle. I understand that. But it was such a split second. And I'll be honest, I never for a minute thought at any point in time that it was a blatant leg whip. So I get it. You want to look at the technical side of things. You're a rules analyst. But the asterisk side of things, no. You, no. He, he, it, was, it was a non-call, and I get it. And he did. And they're just showing it right now here in front of me. I'm sitting here with the monitor on, and they're showing it again. It happened bang, bang, so fast. You never would have. It wasn't like this guy fell down and stuck his leg out trying to trip the guy. This guy was already in midair after he got kind of cut blocked and was in midair and kicked the leg out as he was falling and you don't know what the intent was, so therefore you put the flag back in your pocket on a play like that. So (laughs) I know they brought it up and they played it over and over again, but when you slow it down and they're like, click, 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 right there, right there. He kicked the leg out right there. There's no way you can tell that as an official running down the sideline in that particular moment. And I think at that point in time, when a guy's flying through the air, you keep your flag in your pocket anyway.
1: John Perry right sounds like he's real fun at parties. Real real good oh, time, yeah. John Perry must be. I bet Troy oh, yeah. Aikman shoved him in a locker after the broadcast.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's the guy that if you live next to him and something falls out of your trash can and blows into his yard, he's going to be knocking on your door with it in his hand while he's wearing gloves going, do you see what kind of trash is coming out of your house? And that's when I you know, pour beer on him, slam the door and. Tell him, tell him to bite me. Uh, let's do this. We're going to talk with Pete Doherty, of the Green Bay Press Gazette. When we come back, we'll talk with Pete about what was this past weekend for the uh, Green Bay Packers and uh, how they ended up getting a win over the Bears. Did the Packers play that well, or did the Bears just stink? We've got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show with Pete Doherty coming up next in the Bill Michael.
2: Ready. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: back hey they still have a lot of sunsets left out of the sunset grill throughout summer in pewaukee on pewaukee on prospect avenue and they, they've got the tiki bar i saw they had a bunch of music out there this past weekend and they're not done yet we're still gonna get some warm weather go out and enjoy it uh, pull your boat up in the docks and stop in whether it's the food upstairs or sitting on the deck overlooking the lake or down at the uh, tiki bar down out back i either way you go can't go wrong sitting at sunset grill on pewaukee lake prospect avenue stop in tell them we said hi. Um, Time now to uh, get to our guy, Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Uh, a lot to kind of uncover. Pete, how you doing, pal? Yeah, pretty
4: good, Bill. How are you
0: today? Uh, I'm good. Um, I'll, I'll save the, the big explosive story from last night for last. But um, give me what you witnessed, what we witnessed in Chicago. Uh, Mike Clemens and I are driving home. I, I'm going to give you a real quick scenario. We're talking about the, the things that went right, some of the things that went wrong. And then we kept coming back to, God, the Bears were bad. You know, and and Mikey even looked at me at one point and he said, do we just see the worst team in the National Football League? And what does that say about the Packers? Now, not in any way, shape, or form do I degrade the Packers because they did everything they needed to do to win. But what did you take away from that game?
4: Yeah, I'm wondering I wonder the same thing. And there was just – there was nobody from the Bears who remotely jumped off the field that day as, man, that's a good player. Now, it could be they just played a horrendous game, and two months from now they're they're an okay team, and they're they're better than they looked uh, in the opener. You know, weird stuff happens early in seasons. Remember the Packers playing the Saints in the hurricane game down in Jacksonville? They got blown mm-hmm. off the field, and they ended up with the top seed in the NFC that year. So weird stuff happens, but you know that's a real caveat in this game is you know it could be that that was just a really bad team and it definitely was that that was a team that played a, a horrendous game um the big takeaway i had was you know love was pretty solid you know it was a lot like how he looked in camp and um you know he just he didn't make he took care of the ball that's the thing that i you know i wondered coming into uh the camp coming into the season Will he protect the ball or will he throw interceptions more like he did his
2: last year
4: at Utah State? And he took care of the ball, really didn't come close to an interception, uh, you know, dropped that one snap, that was his fault. But uh, if he takes care of the ball like that, that's, you know, that's half the battle at least because he's got a lot of arm talent, that's for sure.
0: The fact that he didn't put the ball in harm's way pretty much the entire preseason and in that game is a positive. And uh, there were a couple of times where I saw – he did everything perfectly, and and you, you saw the, the the head with the looking, uh, uh, you know, a linebacker or a safety off in a particular direction and coming back, and uh, I saw all of that. I also saw where the window was there, and then it closed, and then he was waiting for the window to be open, and he waited a little bit too long, and maybe that'll come with time, so there was some good. There was some bad. Obviously, we've got some injuries to discuss with Aaron Jones and company. But overall, I and, and I thought the play calling. I you know I gave a shout out yesterday to Matt Lafleur because I thought the play calling really not only one was a little more creative, and we didn't see you know empty backfield on third and two and fourth and one and such, and you know five wides and stuff like we'd seen in the past. We saw you know threats in different areas. We saw a lot of movement and motion. Uh, we saw some creative play calling. I thought the play calling was pretty excellent in that particular case as well.
4: Yeah, Lafleur really bristles at this idea that you know we're going to see the real offense now and I mean he's right in the fact that the offense changes depending on who the quarterback is but you know we are seeing a, a, an offense that's more like what Shanahan's offense really is this looked a lot more like how the 49ers played than the Packers did the last few years because Rodgers liked things a certain way and he didn't like motion he didn't he preferred taking shotgun under, to under center Um, He liked to bring the play clock down to the bitter end so he could make the defense declare. Um, And, you know, those are things that the tempo was a little faster. And there is just, this is just more LaFleur's pure offense. I still, you know, I mean, I'm absolutely convinced there are going to be huge ups and downs this year with, with love, with that young receiving core. Um, But even with those ups and downs again, if, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over a lot, I mean, their defense, you know, looks like it could be end up being okay. Um, as long as they don't turn the ball over a lot, you know, you're going to be in games.
0: Uh, defensively speaking I first of all you know you hope that Quay Walker is okay and that uh, you know whether it's the concussion protocol or not that he's he's going to be good to go I I liked his play I liked Devontae Wyatt's play I thought TJ Slayton held his own for what limited snaps Rashawn Gary had he had pressures Uh, for a lot of the concerns that we had even with Darnell Savage uh, I thought coming into this game with the question marks at safety uh, I thought overall the defense played pretty well do you?
4: Yeah, I, can't, I mean, all I think all the things that you just mentioned were things that, you know, I mean, I know I noticed. I'm sure, you know, anybody watching noticed uh, noticed all those things. And, um, you know, Wyatt was kind of one of the sensations of camp. In fact, you know, he he looked so good early that people kind of stopped writing about him because it was, you know, they were everybody was mentioning it the first, you know, first couple of weeks. But um, he looks like, I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald or, you know, any of these great players, but he looks like, he's going to make at least some kind of difference. And, you know, I wonder if, uh, you know, they've, they've got more depth on the D-line and at and an outside linebacker. I, one of the things that jumped out early was how much they were rotating the outside linebackers. You know, Preston Smith got a lot of rest, for instance. And, you know, I think back to some of the good defenses, especially Seattle, but the Giants in those two years when they won the Super Bowl, they were you know, those teams were rotating in a lot of D-linemen, a lot of rushers, um, a lot of inside guys. I think that makes a difference for how guys play as the game goes on. And like Preston Smith, his snap count was 60%. I I need to look, but I think last year he was, you know, like 80% snap count. Um, so, you know, that means guys are going to be better in the, you know, later in the third and in the fourth quarter and the, the pass rush and then the run defense too will be better. So I, I wonder if that, that made a difference too with the quality of the D-line play is that Barry was just rotating those guys in. A lot more than uh, than he did in his, uh, than he did last year or the year before.
0: I'm talking with Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press Gazette. Uh, the one good thing was is David Bakhtiari. If you look at the grades today on Pro Football Focus, uh oh, did we lose him? I'll check. It sounded like we might have. I'll get him back if we lost him. Uh, yeah, it sounded like we lost him there for a second. I don't know what happened. Don't know what happened. But as I was about to say, uh, David Bakhtiari. Uh, if you just tune the program in, if you look at Pro Football Focus today for the snaps that he had, zero pressures, graded out as one of the highest offensive linemen in all of the National Football League. So, I mean, for what uh, all the consternation and concern, and rightfully so, uh, the and I'm not going to say we determined there's a problem, but it does raise some eyebrows when you have certain practices that you would assume everybody is going to be at, whether it's a Wednesday or a Friday walkthrough or what have you, that you would assume that, he would be there and he wasn't, we kind of went, eh, you know, is there something more here than meets the eye? And apparently not. It's just as he had stated at the, uh, the post-game uh, presser that, you know, Hey, uh, for everybody worried about practice, uh, he, I think he even joked that he had an Allen Iverson Jersey, uh, but saying that, you know, Hey, uh, for all of you that worried about, you know, my, my knee, uh, don't, because all they want to do is keep me ready for game day. And we got Pete Doherty back in the line and Pete, I was just sitting there talking that, that David Bakhtiari graded out the best offen- one of the best offensive linemen in football in zero pressures. So I guess Sunday put the red bed and rest all of the consternation as to whether or not there was some kind of a, a lingering issue with the knee. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, it's reminding me uh I mean, we're only one game in. We don't know if he's going to end up missing games. You know, it's it's dicey, you know, pre- practicing only once a week. But it reminded me just a little bit of uh, Charles Woodson in like uh, – 08, oh, no, no. Well, the 08 season for sure. I remember he had that. He had a bad toe injury. Second half of the season, he didn't practice Wednesdays and Thursdays. Some day, some Fridays, he'd practice part time. Sometimes he'd just sit out. And he he was he a player of the year that year. He went out and played great. Mm-hmm. So, some of these guys are just between their experience and their and their talent and all that, and their ability to visualize when they're not practicing. Um, they're just able to go out and play at a really high level, even though, um, you know, they're not on the practice field very much. It's really, really hard to do teams. I mean, they, you practice for a reason.
0: The uh, the special teams, uh, I do want to get into, Anders Carlson, the the good, the 52-yard field goal just before half. He hit that thing all the way through the nets, 20 yards up the nets. As a matter of fact, he probably could have hit it from 70. the The interesting thing about it was they talked about the hang time and the big leg and being able to boot the ball out of the end zone. First two kickoffs, short do you think that was by design or do you think there was, because there wasn't a strong wind by any stretch of the imagination. It was just a little odd that he didn't just go ahead and just show off the leg and boot it out of the end zone.
4: I just, you know, I haven't had a chance to ask anybody. Um, My assumption at the time was that this is what they wanted him to do, that they thought they could tackle him inside the 25, maybe, maybe even inside the 20, Um, you know, before the Packers had a good return guy. That's what everybody was doing to them was making them bring the ball out. So, that's my guess, but I I don't know that for a fact.
0: Uh, I do uh, like what's going on right now with the wide receiving core and the fact that uh, everybody became involved. I wonder how that's going to be accentuated when they get Christian Watson back. Uh, but Jaden Reed uh, left uh, the game. It looked like he had some kind of an ankle or a knee issue. Ended up coming back in the game. We didn't really hear to the extent of how sore he was yesterday we assume there's going to be a little bit of a listing come wednesday but boy you talk about a young guy that comes on and suddenly gets it and romeo dobbs has progressed to the point that he's making some really good route runs it looks like at least uh, with the addition of musgrave like things this could actually matriculate into kind of a really nice offense before it's all said and done at least he gave us some optimism on sunday
4: yeah there's a lot of talent on that you know with all those young you know all those Rookie and second year receivers, and the two rookie tight ends, there's a, a lot of talent there. The Reed thing, um they did announce in the press box, it was really hard to hear the press box announcer there. The guy really mumbles, but they did announce that Reed, at least what they said was that it was cramps. And so, if that's what it was, and he did, like you said, he went in and recovered that onside kick. So, if it was just cramps and not an, an ankle injury or a pulled muscle, then you, know, you can only assume that he'll be, uh, he'll be fine this week. So unless we hear differently, um, my thinking was that he was he was okay.
0: The only downside that I saw was, boy, the runs by A.J. Dillon, uh, very reminiscent of last season. Uh, I don't know if – now I've gone back and looked at it a couple of times. It looked like there was a couple of guys that got in the hole rather quickly, but he, he looks like a step slower. Uh, is that just me or is that something that you notice as well?
4: Yeah, he, you know,
0: it's really stark when
4: you see him out there, the difference between him and Aaron Jones. It just, you know, just leaps off the field at you. That's probably one of the reasons why he looks slower. There are probably going to be some games where, for whatever reason, you know, the the defense they're going up against, that he's a good matchup and that his power running um, will help him. But, you know, there's a, there's a big step down from uh, from Jones to him. I still think he's a little better than uh, Jamal Williams was, Uh, but you know, like I mean, you know, I mean, there's a full season to go here, but you know, it seems it's seeming not real likely that he'd be back next year. And Jones' age is an issue too. So I think next year in the draft, uh, running back is going to be a huge thing for the Packers unless they do something like, uh, you know, make a trade for uh, Jonathan Taylor before the trade deadline.
0: I know we got a minute here, but last night obviously uh detriment not only to Aaron Rodgers for those that know him, and uh, you're kind of rooting quietly for him, but also the Packers, in essence, lost that first-round draft choice in the New York Jets last night. Give me your reaction to that.
4: Yeah, it was stunning. I was um, I was writing, and so I turned on, the game was about the middle of the first quarter, and the Jets had the ball, and the quarterback threw the ball in the dirt, and I said, God, that looked like a weird thing for Rodgers to do, and all of a sudden they cut to the quarterback, and I'm like, well, what's Wilson doing in there I wondered if Rogers like if he got hurt in practice on Friday and I never saw anything about it and he didn't suit up and to find out that it was this uh devastating injury I mean you know for a guy his age it's going to be awful tough to to come back from that and play not saying he can't but man that is a really long hard road back and that you know that'll take some of his uh you know some of his talent and ability that was already you know his movement skills were already diminishing because of age so uh that was just uh, I I mean when's the last time a, a a guy who was expected to do so much for a team when they acquire him you know if I mean force what do he play four snaps and they lose him
0: for year 75 seconds it's just uh it's just incredible yeah yeah disappointing no doubt uh Pete always great to talk to you good to see you over the weekend and we'll see you again real soon okay all right thanks for having me bill Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. And appreciate him joining us there and uh, giving us a little bit of insight, his insight today. More on The Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. This is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping?
2: I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, made sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do.
3: Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $699 699 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers end at 930-2023.
0: Good to have you. Uh, we got some breaking news we'll talk about coming up here in the next hour. But uh, the New York Mets, according to Jeff Passan, have hired or are hiring a David Stearns as the president of baseball operations, uh, a monumental addition to the organization. Stearns, who's 38, is going to take over officially once the regular season is over. The new era of Mets then begins. Now the speculation is, and I just tweeted this out, that I would be shocked if indeed Craig Council followed. And I don't get shocked very much, but I would be shocked. There would have to be some real internal issue there if indeed uh, Craig Council followed. But David Stearns, we all knew it was coming. It's one of the worst kept secrets or aspirations that have been out there that he would find his way back to New York and take over the Mets. David Stearns going to the Mets after the season culminates. We'll talk with Chuck Freeman, our uh, Brewers guy, Locked on Brewers podcast, coming up here at the bottom of the next hour. Stay tuned for that. Two hours down, two hours yet to go, the Bill Michaels show. We continue with more right after this.